Thanks for tuning in to the Heartland Message Podcast. Feel free to reach out with any questions and visit us online at weareheartland.us to find out more about all of our ministries and upcoming events. Well, good morning, Heartland. All right, I hope you guys had a good start to your weekend. I hope you had a good Saturday. Um, I did. I know uh, nobody's really asking me right now, but uh, I had a good Saturday, so let me tell you about it. Yesterday, I got to spend the day here at Heartland with almost 100 of you, uh, particularly the men, at the annual No Regrets Conference. Uh, This was the first time we hosted it here at Heartland. It was a huge success. It was such a great day, amazing content. But really, the thing that I left walking away just really so excited about was the fact that we had a hundred Heartland men who took an entire Saturday when they had so many other options and said, no, I'm going to set this side of this day to try to become a better man of God. And I think that that is so cool. I think that is worth celebrating. So as we begin today, can we just give it up for the men who set aside time to come to the No Regrets? Yes. That is very cool. That is very cool. I love that. And uh, guys, mark your calendars because every month, we get together the first Saturday in every month, and if you have not been to a Heartland Men's Breakfast yet, we'd love to see you there. We have a great time every month, and uh, we'll see you at the next one coming up the beginning of March. Uh, now today, before we jump into today's teaching, I want to take a second to plug next week's teaching because next weekend we're kicking off a new teaching series called Heartland Late Night. And as the name implies, we are going to base our teaching series for three weeks in a row, really, we're going to base the entire service for three weeks in a row off a late night talk show. And so to that end, we're going to play some games and competitions. We're going to bring out guests, do a little monologue thing. And uh, I've been working on my top 10 list, um, as well as we're going to dig into some amazing passages of scripture, all the stories of which will come from things that happened at night in the Bible. And so uh, it's going to be a great series. I tell you about it for a couple reasons. Number one, I want to invite you to make it a priority for you to be here. But really, even beyond that, number two, the second reason I want to tell you about it is because this is going to be a fantastic series to invite your family or friends who think that church is always boring. Right? If you know some people who go, oh, I don't go to church, it's always so boring, this would be the weekend to bring them. Just say, hey, why don't you come check out Heartland with me this weekend? You don't even have to tell them what we're doing, but I promise you when they leave, they will think to themselves, That was a lot of things, but boring was not one of them, okay? All right, so now today, today is a little bit of a standalone weekend. Today's a little bit of a unique weekend. Today uh, is a weekend that I look forward to taking the opportunity to do and to talk about about once a year, maybe every 18 months or so. But today, I want to begin by talking about clothing, And that's probably an odd thing for me to begin a sermon by talking about. But today I want to begin by talking about clothing. And the reason that I want to talk about clothing for a minute is a couple reasons, really. I guess number one, because clothing is common ground. Right? We live in a world where people are divided over so many different reasons and so many different things. But one of the things that we all have in common is the fact that every single day when you and I get up, we all get dressed. Right? At least we hope you do. If you don't always get dressed, we don't need to know about it. Just keep that to yourself. Uh, But this is some common ground. We all get dressed. And the second reason that I want to talk about it is because what we wear is one of the first things that you notice about a person. When you meet someone for the first time, or maybe it's an old friend and you see them coming from a distance, one of the things that you either consciously or subconsciously notice is what they're wearing, and then you form some thoughts around around their choice of clothing. And so, for example, some of you today, while we were worshiping together, you could not get over the fact that Brent's jeans were cut off at his calves. And you were wondering, not about the worship songs, you were like, why are his jeans cut off at his calves like that? And the answer is, he gets uh, hot ankles. Uh, His ankles get really hot. I 
That's, at least that's the best guess that I could come up with. I was like, why are they cut off at his calves? And I don't know. But, but anyway, um, some of you, now some of you I recognize you don't care about clothing at all, right? Some of you in the room today, you just wear whatever is on the floor and it doesn't smell too bad and you're like, that's good for me today and that's okay, that's all right, I'm, I'm down with that. Uh, others of you care a lot about what you wear, right? And you, you feel like what you wear is a reflection of your personality and so you take a lot of pride in what you wear and how how you present yourself that way. And so for some of you, when you got dressed today to come to church, you didn't just get dressed. You put on two different things to choose between, right? Maybe some of you put on three things and you stood in the mirror and you were like, well, which one of these three options do you want to wear? Because you care a little more about it. But one of the things that's interesting about clothing is that what we wear changes about every decade. Like every decade has its own fashion trends. Case in point, the 1980s. Anybody remember this? Yeah. Right? You're like, some of you are thinking, I've got a photo of myself that looks exactly like that, right? For me, it was the 90s. Anybody else remember the 90s wearing these clothes? Yeah? Like, I'm like, that could be me in the 90s. That was, that was my trend right there. And today, we live in a world of globalization and fast fashion. And because of that, things get put into production, sometimes even before they can get edited or proofed. And it's like, how do shirts like this get made? I don't know. Uh, or this one that says watermelon but is covered in pineapples? It's like, how does that get made, right? Um, or this shirt? Now, I don't, I don't know the, the Avengers very well. I'm not like a big superhero uh, movie guy, but I'm pretty sure the Avatar character is not one of the Avengers, right? Um, this T-shirt that says a well-read, dangerous woman is a creature. I was like, what? How does that get made? Um, but, but look at these. How about these? These are designer jeans that cost $190, people. Now, I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting old, but I don't see how anybody spends $190 and then goes out of the house wearing those, right? Now, ultimately, it doesn't matter what we wear. Ultimately, especially this is especially true here at Heartland. If you're new to Heartland, you got to know you do not need to dress up or wear a certain type of clothing to fit in here. We're just glad you're here. You wear whatever you want as long as it, you wear something, right? And it's not like super offensive. Um, then wear whatever you want. We don't care. Just come as you are. But paying attention to what we wear is not anything new. In fact, I have to imagine that the first time Adam and Eve put on those fig leaves, they probably came out from behind the bush and looked at each other and said, does this look good on me? Is this flattering? You know, does this fig look, you know? This is probably how it went. And you may be surprised to know, but God actually speaks into what we wear. Now, he's not talking about like Old Navy versus the Gap, but God in the New Testament letters talks about what we wear and how we clothe ourselves, uh, specifically through the Apostle Paul through this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of Christians who are living in an, in an area called Colossae. And one of the things that you need to know about Colossae is that Colossae was sort of an urban center in the first century. It was sort of this hub of culture, specifically clothing culture. Colossae was known for its booming wool industry. And so as a result of that, everybody in the region wanted to know what are people wearing in Colossae. They knew that what people were wearing in Colossae would eventually trickle into their community, very much in the same way that today for us in America, fashion trends begin on the coast, in, in especially California and New York City, and then they slowly work their way across to middle America. And so when the Apostle Paul writes this letter to the Christians living in Colossae, what he really wants to talk to them about is how they live their lives. He wants to get into the nitty-gritty of how we as followers of Jesus live out our faith in him in a crazy mixed-up world. 
And so, but to do that, instead of just jumping straight into how they actually live, the Apostle Paul wanted to find some common ground, and he knew he had some common ground with them when it came to clothing. He knew that this would resonate for them, and so that's what he leans into in in the passage that we're going to look at specifically today in chapter 3 of Colossians. And so if you brought a Bible, you want to follow along, go ahead and open there. But we're going to pick this up in Colossians 3, beginning in verse 1. There we read, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, because you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. What the Apostle Paul was saying is that when you place your faith in Christ, you receive a new life. Like when, we, when you receive that fresh start that we talked about last week, when you begin that, that new journey, when you have that fresh start, he says one of the very first things that you want to focus on, one of the very first things you want to pay attention to is what you allow your mind to fixate on. You want to be intentional with what you allow your mind to dwell on, and you want to direct your thoughts to heaven. You want to direct your thoughts to God and to things of, of, of above, not the things here on earth that we so frequently get fixated on and we start to dwell on. And so he says, when you become a new creation in Christ, when you begin this new life that God gives you, this new fresh start, the very first thing you want to do is you want to pay attention to what you think about. And then you want to start to get, go from there, from the mind, into your actions, into how you live. And so in verse 8, we read that he says, Now, then, now is the time to get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior, slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Here, in these verses, the Apostle Paul begins to introduce language about what we wear and how we choose to dress ourselves. It's a little bit hidden, but it's there. It's not overt, but he's beginning to introduce it. He says we want to take off those old clothes, those old things of like anger and rage and lying to each other. And he uses strong language. Notice that he did not just simply say you take them off gently. He said you want to what them off. Yes, he said you want to strip them off. When I read this passage this week, I couldn't help help but remember this experience I had as a little kid. Because I grew up with four brothers and sisters, and at one point in my household growing up, all four of my brothers and sisters had been stung by a bee, but I had never been stung by a bee. And as a little boy, I was curious, like, what does that feel like when you get stung by a bee? I don't know. I was weird, but but I just was curious. Like, I kind of wanted to be stung by a bee. And um, I quickly regretted that desire because um, one day I went into the house and I was going to change. And we didn't have air conditioning when I was growing up, so we always had the house very open in the summer, right? We had the windows open, the doors open, you know, the screen door open. And, um, but so one day I go into the house and I'm changing and I pick up a pair of blue jeans that were laying on my bedroom floor. And as I put them on, I can feel something by my leg. And all of a sudden I get stung in the leg by a bee. And man, I stripped those pants off so fast. You better believe it. it was like insta off, right? 
And so when I was reading this passage, I couldn't help but think about how fast I had torn these jeans off me to let this be out from my pant leg, right? And that's what the Apostle Paul says. He goes, listen, when you receive a fresh start in Christ, when you become a new creation, you, you first got to talk, or you first got to think about what you think about. You first got to pay attention to what you allow your mind to fixate on. But then from there, then you get into the nitty gritty of addressing how you live. And when it comes to those old things that you've been wearing, those things like anger and rage and lying to each other. He goes, you don't play around with that stuff. You strip that off of you. And then after you've stripped that off, now he's going to start to address what it is that we want to put on. And so in verse 12, he says, therefore then, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with And here it is. This is about to be the thing that he's going to tell us to put on. But before we see what it is that he wants us to put on, I want to acknowledge that I love that before he tells us what it is that we put on, the first thing the Apostle Paul does is he reminds us why we are going to put those things on. Right? Notice that we do not put those things on that he's about to tell us to put on because we are trying to earn God's favor. We don't do it that way because we already have God's favor. We don't put these on because we're trying to get God to love us. We already have God's love. Before I talk about what it is that we want to put on, can I remind you today that you are God's chosen people, that you are holy, and that you are dearly loved by him. I believe that you are not here by accident. I believe that you are here because God has been pursuing you every moment of your life, whether you were aware of it or not. And God, in his love, has relentlessly pursued you every moment of every day because he created you for a relationship with you. He wants to know you. He wants to do life with you. He wants you to know him. He wants to be able to speak into your life and to give you wisdom and guidance and encouragement throughout the day. He wants his voice to be the one that is speaking in your ear as you go throughout your day and as you experience different things. He wants to remind you and encourage you with his love and his compassion and his encouragement. And so it is only because we are his chosen people who are already holy and dearly loved that we clothe ourselves with Lululemon. Yes. Some of you are like, now I can handle that. Yes, I just all day, every day, and others of you are going, what in the world is Lululemon? Don't worry about it. That's not what he said. He said, then that's why we clothe ourselves with compassion. And then the Apostle Paul goes on to list a whole bunch of other things, all of which could be their own standalone sermon or teaching. But today I want to stop at the very first thing he put on the list, the very first thing that God inspired him to write. At the end of this passage, he's going to say, listen, all of this falls under the umbrella of love. That's what we're called to put on ultimately is love. But the very first thing, the very first specific thing that he says is that we want to clothe ourselves with compassion. Knowing this got me thinking this week, If I were to do kind of a straw poll of people in my life who know me the best, what five words would they use to describe me? Would compassion make the top five? You know, I thought to myself, if I were to ask people who really know me to pick five words to describe me, would compassion even make the top five? And I thought, you know, of course I'm going to hear words like good looking and brilliant and funny and, you know, (laughs) I'm kidding. But would compassion make the top five? And would it for you, if you were to ask the people who know you the best to pick five words to describe you, would compassion make the top five? I don't know. It's an interesting question. 
Now, if this is what we're called to put on, if this is what we're called to be intentional about putting off, this is the first thing Paul puts on the list, then we have to understand what it is that we're talking about to begin with. And so the, the definition of compassion is this. It is the motivation to go out of your way to help the physical, mental, or emotional pains of another. It is, it is motivation that causes us to act. It is motivation that causes us to be willing to go out of our way to help. Now that's a good definition, but I actually love the literal translation of the word compassion. The literal translation of the word is simply to suffer together. It is important to note that compassion is not a feeling. It is always in action. You cannot suffer together in feelings. You suffer together in action. One of the things that my wife and I love to do after we get our children to bed at night is we love to sit down and watch a show together. TV shows together, and um, we'll typically get the kids to bed, and then there's a period where they get up, and we put them back in bed, right? You know how this works. They pop up, and it's like whack-a-mole, um, <laughs> but uh, once we finally get them into bed, we typically clean up a little bit, right? We'll do the dishes. We'll, you know, wipe the counters down, and then, then we'll sit down to watch a TV show, and we love doing that together, um, and so we're actually, we're always interested in TV show recommendations. So if you have a good show that you like, then see me afterwards and let me know what you like. We'd love to, to watch that show. Um, but most shows we watch together, but occasionally a television show or a television series will become strictly a John show or strictly an Ashley show. And that's what happened for us recently with a television show called This Is Us. Some of you know the show, right? Yeah. So This Is Us has become a strictly Ashley show. And not because I don't think it's a good show. The reason it has become a Strictly Ashley show is because the first episode I watched with, it, with Ashley of this show, by the end of it, I felt so strongly for the characters in the show, I was bawling my eyes out. True story. And I look over, and she's like dry as a bone. And I was like, you cold, heartless woman. You know, what is wrong with you? How are you not crying right now? But I just thought to myself, I was like, I cry so much as it is. I don't need a television show that's going to make me cry every week, right? Like, I just don't need it. So it has become a strictly Ashley show. But here's the thing. As much as I felt for the characters in that episode, as much as I shed a few tears, do you know what I did at the end of that episode? I got up, I turned the television off, and I went to bed. Because what I was feeling in that moment was not compassion, I was feeling sympathy. And the definition of sympathy is a feeling of pity or sorrow over someone's misfortune. Sympathy is a feeling, compassion is an action. They're, they're siblings, Right? The, two, the two emotions are cousins, if you will, but they are not the same. And the key differentiator is that compassion is always action-based. Aren't you glad that when God saw us in our sin, he didn't have sympathy for us, but he had compassion. It was compassion that compelled Jesus to come. It was compassion that caused Jesus to go to the cross and to pay the penalty for your sin and for mine. And then compassion is the very first thing on the list that, that God inspired the Apostle Paul to say, listen, when you become a new creation in Christ, this is what you want to put on, compassion. We have been called to reflect to a watching world the compassionate nature of God. Unfortunately, throughout history, Christians have done a very bad job of that. 
And if you were to do a straw poll of most of the people in the world today and you ask them to pick five words to describe followers of Jesus, I really would, would be surprised to find compassion anywhere near the top of the list. And that's not okay. Because this is who we've been called to be. These are the clothes that we have been called to put on. This is what we want to dress ourselves in. And so today, I want to give you the opportunity to begin changing that. Today, before you walk out of here, I want to give you the opportunity to put this, this passage of Scripture into practice and to clothe yourself with compassion. Now, before we do that, before I tell you how we're going to do that, before I tell you how we're going to invite you to do that, first let me give you just a couple statistics, and I'll only give you two because I know statistics sometimes can be overwhelming. But the first statistic that I want to give you this morning is simply the fact that there are 600 million children living today in extreme poverty. 600 million. According to UNICEF, which is the United Nations International Child Emergency Fund, there are over 1 billion children today living in poverty, over 600 million of them living in extreme poverty. The other fact that I want to give you this morning is that there are 22,000 kids that die every single day from poverty and poverty-related issues. 22,000. All over the world, children are dying every single day from things like not having enough food to eat, not having clean water to drink, or not having access to medication to treat very treatable diseases. 22,000. Those are kids, just like my kids, just like your kids or your grandkids, or the kids that you see playing and laughing on the playground out in the lobby. Now, when you hear those statistics, most likely you feel two things. Number one, when you hear those statistics, you probably feel bad, right? If you don't, you might need to check your heart, make sure it's still beating, like, is this still going in there? Is my, you know, you probably feel bad. But then the second thing you probably feel is overwhelmed. And you're tempted to think the same thing that I'm tempted to think, which is, which is man, I feel so bad about that, but what can I do? I can't help 600 million kids. And that is true, but here's the thing, you can't help one. You can pull one child out of extreme poverty this morning. You may not be able to pull 600 million kids out of poverty, but you can pull one out. You can do for one what you wish that you could do for all of them. You can pull a child out of poverty who becomes a, a, a friend. You become a mentor to that child in a very, very cool way. Those of you who have been around Heartland for a while probably are already aware that our closest ministry partner internationally is an organization called Compassion International. Compassion International's mission is to release children from poverty in Jesus' name, which I love. It was founded in 1952 by a pastor, and it was founded around three values, that it would be, number one, Christ-centered, number two, church-based, and number three, child-focused. The way Compassion International works is they go into some of the poorest places on earth. They identify children living in extreme poverty. They get their name, their birth date, their information, kind of their backstory. They take a photo of them, and then they create a packet for that child. And then there is one packet somewhere in the world for that child. And they try to find someone who's willing to sponsor that child for $38 a month. That $38 a month will single-handedly lift that child out of extreme poverty. 
that $38 goes much further in other parts of the world than it does here in the United States. And for $38 a month, Compassion is able to ensure that that child will have food, water, clothing, shelter. Their school fees will be covered, their book costs covered, medicine when they get sick, and it will cover the cost of creating a compassion program at a local church that they'll take part in at least one day a week in some countries, in some parts of the world. Sometimes it's multiple times a week. It is incredibly humbling to me that for $38 a month, the cost to take my family to a fast food restaurant one time, I can release a child from extreme poverty. And that's not an exaggeration. I have seen it at work three different times on two different continents. And a whole lot of other people have seen how effective it is as well. There's an organization called Charity Navigator, which is sort of a charity watchdog. They investigate and then rate nonprofit 501c3 status organizations to ensure that they are that they're kind of making the grade, that they're doing what they are claiming to do with the money and the funds that they receive. Charity Navigator has given Compassion International their highest rating for 15 straight years, which is less than 3% of the organizations they investigate. 15 straight years. Today, there are over 2 million children around the world being sponsored through Compassion International, children like this young man named Juan David. I want to tell you a little bit about Juan David. Juan was brought up and raised in extreme poverty in the Dominican Republic. He was raised by a single mom, and he never knew his father. When he was five years old, he was sponsored by someone through Compassion International, and this is what he said about his own experience by being sponsored. He said, and I quote, it was incredible for me to know that there was a family that was so far away, but who cared about me enough to write me letters and share words of encouragement. When I was younger, I used to tell people that I wanted to be a doctor, and they would say to me, you're crazy. But as I said, today, Juan David is about to finish med school and become a do an actual doctor. He went on to say, I can't imagine how my life would have turned out without the intervention of Compassion International. And then his mother, who was there, added, and compassion changed his life in even more important ways, too. Because of compassion, Juan came to know Jesus Christ, and because he did, I now have come to know Christ, too. Juan David is representative of so many kids around the world who are living in extreme poverty. They are smart. They are gifted. They have talents. They just need someone to help them with the necessities of life so that their brilliance can be released, so that their, their intelligence can be developed and, and built upon. My wife was talking to a gentleman last night after the Saturday service who said he sponsors 10 kids, and he said one of the kids that he sponsored is now in school to become a neurosurgeon. And one of the other children that he sponsored is now running for parliament in his country, and he asked them through their correspondence that if he wins the election, if his sponsor would come to his swearing-in ceremony. These children all around the world have God-given gifts and abilities that the world needs, but they just need someone who will have enough compassion that will say, I will take care of the food and the water and the school books so that those things can be realized. And today, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Now, maybe you're naturally skeptical, and maybe the question that's rattling around in your head already is, well, John, what does Heartland get out of this? Is there like some type of kickback here of the 38 bucks a month? What, do you get 20 of it or something? No, the answer, of course not. We don't get anything for this. 
Like we don't get a kickback, we don't get recognition, we don't get applause, we don't get free advertising, we don't get anything out of this whatsoever. I don't get anything out of this whatsoever. It is simply an organization and a ministry doing incredible things to spread the gospel of Jesus, both in in spiritual and in physical ways around the world in some of the most poorest places on earth. And we have the ability to tap into that and to support that by funding it at 38 bucks a month. And if you wonder, well, do you put your money where your mouth is? Yes, again, of course. I would never encourage you to do something that I and my family are not already doing. And so my wife and I have sponsored children over the years. We had two kids that we've been sponsoring for a long time um, at our Compassion Project site in outside Nairobi, Kenya. Those of you who have been around for the last four or five years might remember that several years ago, we became direct one-to-one Uh, compassion partners with a church outside Nairobi, Kenya. And one of the great things about that is that we have the ability to travel there and meet our kids. And we have had Heartlanders do that in the past. I love that about compassion, that if you want to meet your child at any time, you can. You can go to them and meet them, and compassion will arrange that. And you can go to their home, and you can see the letters that you wrote to them, and you can see your family's picture hanging up on their wall. It really is a one-to-one direct partnership, relationship between you and that child. And so The problem with that was that to get to this part of Kenya took a long time. It was like a 30-hour trip to get there. And so I started to wonder to myself if there was someplace closer that we could partner so that we could get to our kids to see them maybe even easier. And so this past fall, I had the opportunity to travel to Ecuador in South America and to see see what Compassion is doing there. And while I was there, I met this little girl named Melanie. Oh, no, this was... (laughs) that was a hat that I wanted to buy, and my wife said no, so I didn't buy it. But, um, but, but, uh, but this is Melanie, uh, Melanie and her sister. Uh, Melanie's on the right. When I got to meet them, uh, Melanie's sister, I discovered, had already been sponsored by someone. Melanie had not. And so Melanie was not able to take part in the project. She was not able to do, the, to, to do the activities that her sister was. And so as you can imagine, it took all of about three seconds for me to remedy that. Um, and I told my wife, hey, we're sponsoring another child now, um, which she fully endorsed. But it was so awesome meeting Melanie. And I had the, it, was just, it just reminded me how powerful it is that this really, these really are real kids. These are beautiful kids that, that just need somebody to come alongside them. I'll tell you kind of a a fun story about this, kind of like a God moment, if you will, while I was there. Um, I I didn't plan on sponsoring anyone, so I didn't bring anything for them. Uh, But I asked the group, I said, hey, does anybody have anything that I can give Melanie? I want to leave her with like a gift or something. And so one of the guys on the trip said, yeah, you know, I've got this this giant coloring book and this big box of colored pencils. If you want to have it, you can have it and you can give it to her. And so I was like, yes, thank you. And I threw it in my bag and I forgot about it. And I got to spend the day with Melanie. I got to see where she lives. I got to um, just yeah, to see the, the compassion site. And um, at one point in the day, while I was talking to her through the translator, I said, hey, what do you like to do with your, your free time? Like, what's your favorite thing? Do you love to play soccer and kick the ball around? Like, what do you like to do? And she said, uh, she goes, I love to color pictures. And I, I was, you know, of course, I'm like, oh my goodness. And I remembered and I pulled out this coloring book and the colored colored pencils, and I gave them to her, and she just lit up, and it was this beautiful moment, and I said, can you color me a picture, and so she said, yeah, and I think I've got a picture of her coloring me the photo that she left with me, and I still have, and then when she was done, I was like, you did this brilliant job, I mean, this is so good, you know, and uh, then she said, I want you to color me a picture, and I immediately knew it would not be that good, Um, so I drew her some stick figures of me and her, and uh, that's us, (laughs) 
<laughs> I was like, this is about as good as it's going to get for me and you. Um, but we just had a great time together. I think there's a photo of us here. And, you know, one of the things that I've done with my own kids is we've, like, we've worked out our own handshake. And so I was like, hey, Melanie, let's, like, create our own handshake. And uh, we took a video of that. So... <laughs> uh, she loved it. Once she, we got the hang of it, she wanted to do that like 20 times. Everywhere we went, we were doing this handshake, and uh, it was so cool. But I really, I did. I got to see the impact that $38 a month can have on the life of a child. And I want to invite you to consider doing the same thing this morning. Now, let me acknowledge that many of you already do. In fact, I was talking to our representatives from Compassion this week, and they said that there are over 400 kids currently sponsored by Heartland attenders that they know of. That's, that's just the ones that you have told them you go to Heartland. So it's probably even more than that. So, so first of all, let me just say way to go to all of you who already sponsor a child. And let me just encourage you, if you ever start to wonder, like, is this making a difference? Yes, it absolutely is. I know that sometimes as a sponsor, you can tend to forget about it, right? Like it becomes out of sight, out of mind because you put it on your credit card or bank account and it just pulls out automatically, right? I promise you, it is not out of sight, out of mind for that child. Every single time they receive a meal, every single time they get taken to the hospital and the bill is covered for them when they would not have been able to go to the hospital, every single time they show up at the Compassion Project and they get poured into her by, by the mentors there, they are so grateful every single time for their sponsor who they know makes it happen. The pictures and the letters that are hanging on their walls, I can promise you with no doubt in my mind, they think about you as their sponsor far more than you think about them. And so to those of you who are already sponsoring a child, way to go. Keep it up. Let me encourage you to write them and send them pictures. Don't miss that opportunity to speak truth into their life, to speak love over them. The thing that makes it really easy that I've started doing is I downloaded the Compassion app, and now you can write letters to your child or multiple children. You can just pick them, say, hey, I want to write a letter to them, right from your phone. It's so quick and easy. It takes me like... 30 seconds to write a letter to a, a child that we sponsor. So, so if you already do it, download the app and be sure to do that. For those of you who haven't ever sponsored a child, I want to tell you a little bit about how it works. When you walk into the, South Audit or the West Auditorium today, you're going to find a room set up with a whole bunch of packets like this. This is a picture of the one that I'm holding right now. This is little Ariana. She lives in Ecuador as well. And the way it works is you look over these packets and you find one that, that, that you feel drawn to. And when you pull it out, there's all sorts of information in here. Uh, there's, of course, the photo with the birth date and the, the home. On the inside, there's information about where they live. Um, there's an envelope so that you can write a letter and attach a picture if you want to do that. And then on the back, there's this card that tears off if you want to sponsor that child. You fill this card out before you leave today and you turn it back into us. Now, here's the deal. It is really important that we get this card back from you before you leave today. Right? We do not want packets to go out without getting the card back because if by some chance that card does not get returned to us and it gets lost in the mail or in the shuffle and it gets thrown away by accident, this is the only packet that exists for that child anywhere in the world. Compassion does not have little Ariana floating around at 50 other churches today because if one person sponsors her, that's the sponsor. So there's one packet per child. And so if you lose this card without turning in the I'm going to sponsor that child information section, then who knows if little Ariana or that child will ever get sponsored. 
And so because of that, if you try to leave with a packet without filling out a card, we have strategically placed guards around the building who will shoot you in the neck with a blow dart so that you can't leave. And I'm only partly kidding, all right? So don't leave with the packet, all right? Make sure that you fill it out before you take off today. Now let me finish with one last passage. Many of us know John 3.16, probably the most famous passage in the entire Bible, right? For God so loved the world. Many of us don't know 1 John 3.16, which is an absolutely incredible passage in and of itself. But this is 1 John 3.16. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Look at this. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how could the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Let us love not with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. True compassion is more than a feeling. It's an action. And we have been called and invited to make an impact with our one and only life, to pour our lives into other people in the name of Jesus. And when you do that, it lights you up in a special way. If you choose to sponsor a child this morning, I can guarantee it will forever change that child's life. But who knows? It might just change yours as well. Let me pray for you. Lord, it is humbling to be reminded how little some people on the planet today have, and then to look at our own lives and to realize how much you have given us as it relates to material possessions. Lord, would you help us to be people who do not simply feel sympathy and walk away, but would we be followers of yours who have compassion, who clothe ourselves with compassion, and then, then Spread that through the actions of how we live. And Lord, would our lives be glorifying to you as it reflects to a watching world your true nature. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone who agreed with this prayer said, amen. All right, we'll see you in the, in the West Auditorium. And then uh, have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week for Heartland Late Night. Thanks for listening to this Heartland message. Join us on the weekends for one of our services on Saturdays at 4.30 and on Sundays at 9 and 10.45 a.m.